everybody. So we are gathered here today, like the lovely, wonderful people we are, queer and fabulous. Uh, I am joined by my co-host, James. We are on season five of Plain Rainbows. I'm sorry, season two, episode five. Sorry. Um, and we have a wonderful guest called Jackie. Jackie, I believe, is an ex Knight. That's right. That's right. So why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself, Jackie? All right. So I grew up in the Eastern Pennsylvania Mennonite Church. Um, my dad was a bishop in that church. And i uh, that's all I knew until I was 25. Uh, and I decided to leave for various reasons, a variety of reasons. Um, but one of those was to pursue music. Another one was to, was because of my sexuality. Um, and then after being away from that for a few years, I discovered another layer of the onion, so to speak. Um, and I started transitioning. Um, so I'm a trans woman and I'm very happy to be here with you today, Mary. Thank you. I'm really excited to hear what you have to talk about. You want to say hi, James? What's up, Jackie? Hey. You said you're in Philadelphia, right? That's right. I, I live in Philadelphia. Yep. Um, Ooh, the city of brotherly love, right? Uh -huh. I mean, it's founded by our people, you know? The Quakers, uh, I mean, they're, they're adjacent. They're Anabaptist adjacent. I mean, kind of, sort of. Well, isn't there a bell there or something like a famous yeah, bell? Yeah, the Liberty Bell. Uh, the Quakers oh are are very different in their thinking, but back in the day, they were one of the plain churches. Oh, so. well, well, well. So, anyways, so I have to ask you a question: like, what type of education did you get being Eastern? So it was private uh, church schools. So they had uh, grades one to 10 um, and they would hire, you know, people from the church who had no prior experience or educate or education past 10th grade uh, to come in. And usually it was sort of, it was sort of, uh, as sort of, sort of typical in the uh, Anabaptists or plain churches, it was sort of viewed as like voluntary service type of situation. They got paid very little and they were usually like 18 to 20 ish, uh, in age. So the teachers that is, so yeah, church run school, um, not a lot of oversight into, uh, you know, how good quality the education was. Although in some ways it was, it was very good. So that's the, that's sort of the the upshot of the church school that that they have. Um, I have a question. Does did did they did they publish their own um, materials for the school? Did the church regulate the materials that were taught or the oh, topics? Very very much so. Yeah, very very much so. They they had uh, they used Rod and Staff uh, textbooks a lot, which Rod and Staff is another conservative Mennonite uh, fellowship. Uh, publishing house and they had like I mean the math story problems would be you know Jane had three Bibles instead of Jane had three rings 
that was the main distinction. <laughs> so it was important to control that. Uh, we didn't want people to know about the rings. So uh, she had three Bibles. But what's uh, wrong with the rings? Well, obviously that's jewelry. So we couldn't, we couldn't possibly, uh, anything worldly was weeded out. There was at the end of, of every lesson, there was a Bible verse because math is just so incredibly uh, related to the Bible. I mean, were they counting the people that Jesus ministered to in the Bible? But, sorry, I didn't understand. Were they counting the people that Jesus ministered to in the Bible? <laughs> 5,000, I guess, and the feeding of the 5,000. I don't know. There was a lot of biblical story problems and just like, it was very Bible-based. Uh, also, they had like, they would have world book encyclopedias uh, from the 80s in our 90s and 2000s classroom uh, because, you know, everything is holier if it's, if it's a couple decades old. That's how they roll. And, uh, but they would have a committee that would, edit those to extinction um, so that like you could learn almost nothing that you didn't already know uh, from the encyclopedia. So that was, I mean, it was very, very highly edited and any, obviously any woman, of course, dudes, it doesn't really matter too much, but uh, women, they have, you know, as long as they aren't wearing a full cape dress, um, then, you know, they need to be scribbled out. So uh, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> so, uh, I mean, obviously any type of, of worldly clothing, especially on women, in pictures of women in the encyclopedia or any other textbook. We would get textbooks occasionally, like in geography, where we did not have the mental bandwidth to produce our own. Uh, we would get textbooks from places like Bob Jones University, which is a very conservative university. Um and they would often have to edit out like photos of anything that wasn't in uh gosh i'm i'm still like hold up hold up like i'm still stuck on the whole like so like let me if there was a picture of a woman and she wasn't wearing a cape dress i mean to an extent that's true there was obviously there was some exception uh to that but but yeah, it, it was um, very, it was very much about uh, anything, anything uh, in any way revealing or worldly uh, could, I don't know, corrupt young minds. I'm not sure. You know how, you know how young people think. Why you gotta say it like that? You just, you just, you, oh my God. No, uh, like, well. To be a sweet, you will think. You know, she thinks. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So we had. So it was a very controlled environment with limited access to like current information, yeah. current limited scientific access. information, current. Like, did they teach science? They did teach science in their own uh, produced science books. Um, it was like I did not. I went through ten grades without ever encountering or learning anything about the periodic table of elements although i took a science course for every year that i was in school a lot of it was about creation and about how wonderful god is because he made this thing called chemistry where if you put this baking soda and vinegar together they they fizz so it was it was very very rudimentary especially when it came to the sciences so um 
mathematics it was it was a strong educational mathematics i would say uh relatively strong on on english uh you know we were diagramming verses from the bible sometimes and diagramming just like absolutely banal sentences but um yeah it was it was relatively good on a few of the most upfront things but when it came to science and history uh oh gosh it was it was so bad still is in fact my daughter was uh saying something to me the other week about how incredibly violent the indians as she uh phrase it from her history book were they were just so violent and and killed so many people and i i asked her so where are they now and if you don't know why do you think they aren't here uh because the fact is is that the uh, white settlers killed the majority of them so uh it's, yeah, it's a different, on a different podcast episode, Mary and I talked a little bit about about the fact that the, the early Anabaptists that came here to America displaced the Native Americans because they bought up all their their land and their hunting yeah. ground and and um, have yet to make that right. Yeah, well, that's never going to happen because they were entitled, you know, as as they are in so so many ways uh, entitled to things because of their religion. Um, I have more sympathy for the the early Anabaptists because they were often fleeing actual being killed um, in Europe, but still, it's just and the fact that they teach things like that from such a slanted perspective in the schools today, it's just it's very sad. But yeah, America is God's country, and um, that's 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 sort of the curriculum when it comes to history, sciences. Etc. So, yeah. Oh, I, I just have to ask this question, James. I don't know <laughs> okay. either of you knows the answer, and I don't even know if I know the answer. But were all the founding fathers Christians? <laughs> no, they weren't. In fact, by and large, I don't think so. They, they were no, what? They were not. By and large, they were not Christians. They were they were deists who believed that like there was a creative mind. But it sort of like created it and and disassociated from it, so uh, from from creation. So they believed in God, but in sort of like a force. Uh, that is George Washington, Ben Franklin. The the majority of them were not Christian. They were too. They would have considered themselves too intellectual to be Christian. That's right. So can somebody help me understand? Never mind. It's I can't understand that. That's the whole thing. I, I, I can't go there. <laughs> I, I was going to say, like, could somebody help me understand, like, how do you get from that to America is a Christian nation? Well, because those people have no idea what they're talking about. That, like, there's that. They have no grasp on history. Yeah, there's that. And then there's also the fact that that our ancestors specifically came here to escape persecution. Um, and the fact that they found religious freedom here is sort of biases them toward like this is that this is the chosen country because we're allowed to be here and exercise you know our our right to religious freedom, which is I think a beautiful thing. Uh, I have nothing wrong with that. I do, however, take big exception to the fact that that uh, that these people are now making their own curriculum and and um, you know excluding their children from access to information. That to me seems just unethical in the extreme. 
I think it's a basic human right to have a free and appropriate education for children uh, as a whole. And so that's why it's really sad when you hear about the education in this context. So like, I'd like to kind of like talk a little bit about where you are today in regards to education, like what happened when you left um, in regards to education. So before I left a few years, so I, I graduated in air quotes from school at 10th grade uh, because we were not permitted to go any further than that. Um, and that anything further than that is higher education is extremely suspect because I, I personally in my cynical way think that because uh, one might learn to think. Um, so it's dangerous. Um, so I went in 2014, I think I went and took a GED test in the state of New Jersey. I'm, I married and moved to New Jersey in 2012. And I took a GED test in the state of New Jersey. And um, because I've never stopped reading, uh, I, I was able to pass that, fortunately. So with that GED in hand, after I left, I went to the only school that would consider taking me, which is a community college. And I had a year and a half there um, in which I completed my associate's degree in sort of an intensive course. Um, it was very, it was very exciting to, to do that. Um, it was actually affordable community colleges, easy to get into. It's a great place to start. Um, it's, it costs you, you know, if you have no federal help, at all, it costs you about five grand uh, a year, which is incredibly low. Uh, but for the most part, anybody who's over the age of 25 is going to get a Pell Grant. It's going to mostly cover that. So if you're actually looking into education, uh, don't worry too much about the money. If you're looking into uh, community college, you will most likely get federal help that will mostly cover that. Um, so I went to community college, graduated with my associate's in arts, in music performance. Um, and that was last May. And then throughout the rest of the year, I've been studying privately, studying voice privately with a teacher, uh, putting that bill out of my own pocket as one does. Um, and then I started applying at conservatories um, and which are specifically music schools um, in the fall. And that is an expensive, uh, procedure to go through a application itself is is often like 150 to 200 dollars uh just to apply just to ask to go there and then you have to go through an audition process that's that's conservatory not every school is that expensive but i was accepted into several schools several really really good schools i'm very excited about that but now i'm at the very scary part of trying to find financing for uh for the year ahead so uh, luckily, you know, my school has been very helpful. Uh, just again, if you're going through this, if you're looking into school, just know there is just absolutely no reason in the world not to write your school's financial aid and specifically tell them your situation. Tell them where you come from, why you are in a position that you don't have access to much money, and most schools will work very, very much in your behalf. Um, and they will help you get grants and they will they will help. Uh, but if you're taught, like most of us are, 
to be retiring and to be, you know, not, not to take things with both hands. Uh, it is, it is, it's a little scary to do that, but it, most schools are there to help. So yeah, it's been, I, I've, I've luckily got made some progress in that and I'm looking at attending uh, Westminster Choir College in the fall. That's really exciting and congratulations on your associate's degree. That's actually really fantastic. Yeah, that was, that was, that was so wonderful to get it and probably one of the hardest days of my life because uh, to have studied music and to have got won a degree and graduated with highest honors um, and have nobody to tell about that, no family, it that was very difficult for me. That was a very, very hard, hard day. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I, I think, in my opinion, it's the successful times that are the most difficult um, mm -hmm. because it's then when you realize and you've got to make a plan. You've got to make a plan for how to how how to celebrate by, by intentionally creating uh, a, a group of people around you who will help you through times like that. That's that's essential. I think. Right. So when you graduate from this new college that you're going to, you need to let me know. I will definitely let you know. Okay. I will definitely let you know. Yes. It's going to be a number of years because the community college didn't have a lot of credits that transferred. Uh, but <laughs> I will definitely. But that's okay because like I'm not really planning on going anywhere yet. Maybe. That's good. That's good. But still, I'm just letting you know. <clears throat> Reach out. Let me know. Let me know. Yeah. Because I want to know. Yeah. I will. I will definitely do that. I, I'm a very, I, it's very hard for me to say this because I've been taught so much about not feeling this way and not saying this. But when I look at where I am now, I'm, I'm very proud of myself for, for having done what I did. I've sung multiple, I've sung several concerts. Um, by myself, I've performed, I've studied, I did what I came to do. I did what I always wanted to do. And it's very fulfilling. It's also, you know, it's it's a struggle, but that's it's really feels good to have invested that into yourself. It's it's a very, very rewarding feeling. You know, you're absolutely right that we're not taught to be proud of ourselves or be proud of our successes or even to own our accomplishments. So I'm really grateful to have you here talking about what it feels like to own your, your, your work and yeah. celebrate that. That's, that's pretty exciting. I believe very much in the, in the, the power of that. It now, whether I can make that happen in my own life is, is it's, a, it, it takes work, but I I will always be in the in the DMs and and messages of of my friends telling them that they're amazing. So why should I not do that for myself? And I I know that's sort of common wisdom. And for us coming from it's, where we come from, it can be a not, little hard. It's not yeah. right. You know, like yeah. if we have anybody, if we have anybody listening that's you know stuck on the Amish farm or in a conservative Mennonite environment or a plain environment. And you know, um, you want to pursue a higher education. You need to do that. You know, um, like I remember, I went to public school, for example, and I remember in like fourth grade, right? 
and we had separate lesson plans for like the Amish and the non-Amish, right? And most of, most of the time it worked side by side fairly well, like, you know, basic math, et cetera, et cetera. But like, I remember like the topic of um, dinosaurs came up, you know, like anthropology, like, or paleontology, like dinosaur bones, right? And, and I went home and I was all inspired and excited. I'm like, oh my God, dad, you know, look, all these dinosaurs. And he's like, oh, that is not true. That is fake. And like, he just absolutely threw a fit about me, even knowing about the concept of dinosaurs. He found it very upsetting and frightening. He really did. And I mean, he had a third grade education because he had to go to work, you know, to support his family. So, um, yeah, I and, and, you know, for a lot of especially I, I don't know about Mennonite, but for Amish, you know, like if you uh, get kicked out of your home for whatever reason, you have to go to work. So, you know, school definitely takes the back seat. Mm -hmm. So I would say in in the church I grew up in, uh, education was prioritized in a in a in a way to an extent. But then, of course, it became a big threat. Uh, at some point, you know, educating people is going to be, uh, it's going to be a problem. And they made attempts, although it's almost impossible to regulate, they made attempts to regulate reading material, um, news, uh, and etc. And they was preached about all the time. It was cast in a very negative light. Now, my dad was a intellectual person, I would say. It is. And he had this enormous library in the house. Like we had so many books, it had to be hundreds of books. Um, and I read a lot. I read a lot uh, as a kid. It was very much of an escape for me. Um, and that was, I'm very grateful for that because that taught me a lot about the smallness of the, of the Mennonite world, just incredibly Yeah, small. yeah. Incredibly <laughs> Reading was my escape. Too. Like that's, that, that, that's, that's who taught me about the outside world was like, you know, right. books, right? Because you don't know. Right. So, well, Nancy Drew taught me a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love Nancy Drew. <laughs> I mean, my dad would not have probably had most of that, although we had the Bobsy twins or two and a boxcar children or two book but it was mostly like uh J.R.R. Tolkien um Lord of the Rings C.S. Lewis stuff it was like it was it was fantasy type stuff a lot of it you were allowed to read Lord of the Rings I'm surprised the book you didn't go up in flames when you grabbed the book that book is sinful right and so they would have definitely said that about Harry Potter but there are lives but my, my dad sort of saw that as an allegorical thing. And so he had the book. Now, I do remember speaking at some point as, as a teen to other kids from church um, about just, just sort of mentioning it and getting in big trouble because my dad got in trouble uh, because I had sort of let this cat out of the bag. And he was like, how can you not know that we don't mention this? And I was like, well, I mean, it's on the shelf. What are you <laughs> know but yeah so there was he he departed and it, he departed from the, the 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 recommendation i would say but it's very hard to regulate what people have on their bookshelves it, it people try but it's it's very hard and you know anyway so i i was able to read a lot and i when i first started this is 
uh, this is strange. But when when I first as as a kid, I think I was like quite young. I was I was probably eight to ten maybe. Um, I would go and I would get. I hope my mom doesn't hear this. Um, I would get a, a some of her sheets, some of her floral sheets out of the um, bed sheets out of the linen cupboard, and I would like dress up in these things. And I mean, with no, again, no cultural reference for this, uh, nothing around me that taught me to do that. Nothing, nothing. So I would do this. And in my mind, it was, well, I don't know what it was. I, I, I do know that at some point as a teen, when I continued to do that, um, uh, that it sort of started relating to sort of the Greek mythology and stuff that I was reading and sort of this like fantasy type thing. Now that very much left uh, me. Now I love fantasy literature, but I don't. I don't cherish any illusions about my life. Uh, I I am not an elf. I have never been an elf. Uh, I am, if anything, a pumpkin. So uh, I, <laughs> I I enjoy I enjoy uh, remembering that though, and I'm sure my mom would be mortified to know that her that her floral bed sheets were somehow. You know, the files, yes, yes, yes. They were my Like, oh God! I can remember. I can. I can I remember mean, trying on. I can remember trying on my Amish mother's dress. Oh, I did the same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I, I that that I mean, like I didn't know. Like I, it was like this thing that you want to do. You want to experiment. You want to be creative, and you want to yeah. step outside of all the things that make you you and do this new thing and. And yeah, and then once you put on your, the dress, you just sort of stand there like, oh, okay. You know, like, it eh. great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This it color was... is so wrong for me. <laughs> <laughs> or was it the that cape? The, the cape thing. is just too much. Okay. Right. That is the gayest thing. <laughs> this color is wrong for me. Oh, I love it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, well, I, we are so so queer, anyways. Oh, We're yeah. so gay, anyways. Well, it's, it's never okay. been it's never been not a part of me. I they, they you know I look back at a lot of the like horrible things that happened uh, in my home and the way that I was very much singled out uh, from all my siblings, and I realize now, looking back, that a large part of that was because they saw that in me. Um, and right. You know, I, right. yeah. I, at the time, I did not realize that at all. I just thought, you know, they don't like me. I'm not a good person. I'm, you know, all this stuff. And now I look back and, you know, all the things about stop sitting like a girl, stop talking like a girl, don't laugh like a girl. And I, I didn't realize, like, the extent that you? they just were disgusted by that. And also the extent that that was just me. And, and being an adult is realizing um, I'm very much not one of those uh, folks who, you know, feels that they were born in the wrong body. Uh, I, I feel like I was born in the right body. I was born in my body. And, and I, I, you know, who I was and who I am, there's an unbreakable chain between the two that it's, it's always been me. And I just found, I just had more and less levels of freedom to express who that person is. Um, I, I was sitting in a coffee shop the other morning worrying my head off about how I'm going to pay for school. And I mean, 
I am not one to not make heavy weather out of a light situation. I, I am, I will take everything and create a problem. So I was working, sitting in this Philadelphia coffee shop, sipping a latte and worrying about how I'm going to pay for school, sipping probably a $7 latte or something. Um, and, and I, I just suddenly had this moment where I, this, this comes so rarely for me and I need to remember to do this more often, but I just had this moment where I, I felt like I could sort of see what, you know, 15, 16, 10 year old me would think about where I am now. And the incredible, like I cried because it's, I felt just incredibly lucky to be, you know, in the city, first of all, that's always been a dream, although I love the country. I also love the city. And to be in the city, being myself, with my my ridiculous bow in my hair, and my, you know, clothing that feels good to me, and a coffee in my hand, just worrying about how I'm going to pay for college. Like, that's something that, as a teen, I would have killed to be in that situation. I... As a, as a, when I was 18, I, I made a very big mistake and, uh, I, I was intending to leave home and try to go to school. I wanted so badly to go to college and I left a note for my dad that was like a two weeks notice for work because he was my employer. And I, because I thought I was legally required, I thought he could force me to come back if I didn't. The, the lack of information is just appalling. And because of leaving that note uh, to tell him that I would be leaving his employment, uh, because of that, he was able to literally coerce me into not, into not leaving. Um, if I had only known that I, that I didn't have to do that. Um, but I didn't, I didn't know. And I had no way of knowing. So that was, you know, at that point in my life, it was worth it was worth leaving everything with no money. I didn't get paid. I, I was I had nothing. And I thought at that point, I also thought that college was free and that I was going to be able to do this. Uh, no sense of what the world worked like. In a lot of ways, I was spared. Um, but also it was it's just been a dream all of my life. And yeah, you're so, doing it. Yeah, I'm doing, I'm living that dream now. And it's like being 30 and living that dream feels in some ways like, eh, but, wah, wah, wah. but it's not, it's not really, it's not really. It's not. reminding myself. It's, it's really, you know, and I left that not even four years ago and four years is not a long time. You think it is because it feels like a long life, but it's not a long time. Well. I mean, I left 18 years ago and something feels like it was yesterday. Mm. So there's that for what it's worth. And uh, some things don't change. The, the, the lived experience, the lived issues, the, 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 the ripples of the upbringing just stay there. They're going to be there for, for life. But I, I would rather live. I think, I think I came to the conclusion before I left, which was very complicated for me because I have a daughter there. And I came to the conclusion that I would be a better parent for her living honestly than I would be living in a way that she's used to seeing. Um, and when I, you know, thought about 
what my parents and other parents around me were offering to their kids, I just I decided that I would I would be a better parent if I if I was honest with myself and with her. So and it's worked out. It really has in a lot of ways. Really has. Good for you. I'm so happy to hear that. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Um, on that, we, we note, remain inspired by we remain inspired by you know all of the LGBTQ um, Amish and Mennonite and Anabaptists that literally are you know changing the game. Um, we're taking back our power, and um, it's a really beautiful thing to see. So you know, happy Pride to us. <laughs> yeah, and and. Thank you so much for sharing all of that because it really is inspiring to know that you can get into a good college, you can get into school, you can do these things. Even though it may be difficult, there are ways around it. You can find a way to do it, to do, even if it's later in life versus like doing it as a teenager when people typically do it, you you can still do it. If you want to go to college, you can do it. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> And on that note, I'd like to ask if you guys, like, if either of you has anything you would like to say if somebody's listening that's still within the Anabaptist community that happens to be LGBTQ, what would you say to them? Well, I there's a couple things that come to mind. First of all, the lack of information about resources does not mean there are not resources. Um, a few good connections and i'm sure mary here is one who you could reach out to but a few good connections uh can can really uh give you a lot of resources uh there's there's government help if you you know are financially unable to support yourself there are resources there so don't feel trapped just because of that um they keep you not knowing that for a reason uh secondly if you feel guilty about about who you are and about you know the life that you want to live or the life that you are living uh just remember that that's your that's your brainwashing so to speak speaking to you and not not your not your truth there is there is going to be guilt i've i've felt a lot of that but there's also a, an incredible amount of satisfaction in having the integrity to say, this is who I am. I take this with both hands and I say, this is who I am. And, and I will live honestly with that, whatever that looks like for me. Um, not everybody, you know, has, is, has the ability to live like I do, but everybody has the ability to be honest with it. And, and ultimately that's, that's what counts. And you're going to, there's, there's payoff for, for the honesty. Thank you. That's a very powerful message. What about you, James? Yeah, well, first of all, you know, um, happy Pride. And um, thank you, Jackie, for sharing your beautiful story with us and, and giving us all hope, you know, because we all love to see each other thrive and live our best life. And we right. are living examples for each other. And coming together has been a really, really powerful experience. So, um to anyone out there that is, you know, gay, Amish, Mennonite, uh, you are definitely not alone. So, thank you. Yeah, I'd like to echo that and say, like, you are not alone. Um, if you're listening and you're 
currently a queer, Amish, Anabaptist, whatever, um, at the end of the day, you deserve to live your life authentically as yourself. You deserve happiness and you deserve to be free. And on that note, have a good one.